0: Hello, my name is Tom Boone.
1: And I'm Joanna Bailey.
0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week.
1: Coming up today, I'll take a look at Embraer's E2 and how it's exceeding the manufacturer's expectations, while Tom will investigate the carbon reduction ambitions of two major airlines.
0: We'll update you on the sentiment around the A380 worldwide, and I'll take a look at how an iPhone caused a fire on a British Airways Dreamliner.
1: Finally, we'll see how Vistara set a record that it definitely doesn't want to celebrate and what's going on with the UK's red list.
0: So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I want to hear about this in Why is the E2 so amazing? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I've feel- been on it at the Dubai Air Show and seen how it's so amazing, but I'll let you tell us.
1: Yeah, it is such a cool aircraft. And I've been learning lots about the Embraer E2 recently. So I'm feeling mm. very enthusiastic. I do like my smaller planes anyway. Um, but uh, most recently, we uh, we looked at how the E2 is performing against the original e So mm. as you would know, E2 is the next generation of the popular e So it encompasses quite a lot of significant upgrades from the first generation. Um, There's been 146 units ordered so far. Only 29 have been delivered to date. um, But because of that, we are starting to see how it performs in real life. Um, and I had a lovely chat with Helvetic Airways, who are in kind of a unique position in that they operate both the first generation E-Jet and the mm. newer E2 model, sort of side by side. Um, they fly six of the original E-190 on behalf of Swiss International, and they've got their own fleet of E-190 E2 that they fly under their own brand. So What they told me was the performance of the E2 has really been exceptional and far exceeds the published expectations from the manufacturer. So what they said was that the eight E2s are achieved achieving a reduction in fuel consumption per seat by up to 20% in comparison with the original e-jet. Now, Embraer published the fuel consumption savings between the two families to be 17.3%, which was already more than its goal of achieving a 16% saving with this new iteration. Mm. Um, But it's really good to see a product actually outperforming manufacturers' expectations, you know, particularly when we're all still a bit sore from uh, all the car manufacturers telling us that we were. we're going to get X miles per gallon and we actually got like 80% of that. You know, this is going above Hmm. and beyond and I think it's really cool. So in terms of what that means um, for carbon reduction, um, Helvetic says it's about one tonne of CO2 less per flight hour. So it's around 3,600 tonnes less per year per aircraft. So that's that's quite significant, really. Yeah. Um, and Helvetic's getting ready to take delivery of its next new aircraft from Embraer. It's got an order in for four of the largest E-195 E-2 aircraft. Um, and they're going to be getting all four of them by the end of July. So that's exciting and oh, um, they're having them. one delivered roughly every two weeks from the start of June um, and Embraer obviously publishes the performance of the E195 as well as the E192 yeah and of course it is better than its smaller sibling and in fact this one's even betterer if you like <laughs> so, so they're the expecting best. <laughs> they're expecting a fuel burn reduction of 25.4% over the original E195. Um, so that so it's equates be-
0: to like 27, 28?
1: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see whether this target is surpassed in, in the real-life scenarios. So mm. sticking with my, uh, my subject of the E2, <laughs> I just wanted to talk about one of my favourite things about the aircraft, which is that it's not just fuel-efficient, it's also really quiet. So <laughs> Embraer publishes a 48% reduction in noise between the E2 and the E1, and Helvetic's been researching this as well in conjunction with... Um, the Zurich airport, and their findings are that that is exactly right. It is at least 48% quieter than the Mm. original e-jet. And, you know, noise reduction is actually really important for airlines, much more than I perhaps realised. So I had a chat with a guy called Luis Carlos Afonso, who heads up engineering and technology development for Embraer. Um, And his quote was that noise is energy. If you're making a noise, you're wasting energy. And a quiet plane is an efficient plane. So, in terms of ICAO standards, there there are noise standards, and they began back in the 60s with Chapter 2, moved to Chapter 3 in the 80s, and Chapter 4 in 2005. Mm. The E2, when it was being developed, was being designed under Chapter 4. So, of course, it had to comply with that. But they built it so sort of future-proofed, if you like, that when Chapter 14, which is the newest regulations, came in in 2018, it got certified under that as well. Okay. um, it's actually, the, the research they've done shows that it's 11% quieter than the a 22300 mm. And it's 28% quieter than an A321neo. And amazingly, it's 50% quieter than the A321CO. So, okay. you know, less noise equals less fuel burn and more efficiency. Uh, I want to know how also... quieter
0: it is from the Concorde.
1: <laughs> I'd love to know. I, I think that would be a difficult one to test out right now. Mm. But... Uh, It's actually um, very good for airlines in terms of their operations as well, um, because a lot of airports organise their landing charges based on noise. So, for example, at London Heathrow, because the E2s are now compliant with Chapter 14, E2 operators are paying 72% lower landing charges than they would if they were just Chapter 4 compliant. So, it's really fascinating. And, you know, some airports, like London City, for example, will only allow the quietest planes to operate there. And that's Mm. why... you see the apron absolutely chock full of embrayers. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah. been a real learning curve for me. I didn't know how important aircraft noise was to operations and how cool the E-2 is. So, mm. um yeah, do check out our coverage because um, I'm really excited. I haven't actually flown on one yet and mm. I can't wait until we're allowed to. Uh, and if you get don't hear anything, about...
0: look up in the skies and you might see one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you if you see a very quiet plane, <laughs> it might just be the E-2. Mm. <laughs> So, tell me, we've been talking a bit about carbon reduction there. Tell me a bit about uh, what British Airways and United are up to.
0: Well, I mean, um, they're kind of getting in on the same sort of thing that everyone's doing. Um, I mean, last week, I think it was Swiss um, or Austrian made it easier for customers to buy um, sustainable aviation fuel. But... um, United Airlines is following through with this. So they've formed what they call the EcoSkies Alliance. And they've partnered with some huge name brands uh, like Siemens and Nike and HP, Deloitte. And um, they're basically getting sort of the big companies that book lots and lots of flights through corporate uh, measures to buy sustainable aviation fuels for the company. And it's not just these big companies, though, like uh, the United is also asking its like, regular passengers like you and me to get in on the act and buy them sustainable aviation fuels. And you may be thinking, well, why does the airline want us to pay for fuel um, on top of what we already pay?
1: yeah (laughs) understandable really
0: well um it's interesting because sustainable aviation fuels are kind of in this vicious cycle because they're produced in very small quantities and that makes them very expensive which means that airlines don't want them which means that they're produced in very small quantities which means they're very expensive which means that airlines don't want them
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. and i'll just say this five more times and then we
0: can move on (laughs) (laughs) so um what united is doing it's trying to be uh, a trailblazer and busting out of this vicious cycle so they want Ooh, good to, for them yeah well i mean it's 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 great that they're doing it but um i think it should be the problem is the the airlines keep asking the passengers to contribute to the cost because it's so expensive and i think a couple of the big airlines just need to come up and say we're just going to do this anyway
1: Yeah, they Um, do. I mean, it's the only way it's ever going to break out is uh, if there's some massive investment, because the passengers don't want to pay any more for their flights than they have to.
0: Exactly. And um, I mean, uh, United this year has said that it's going to purchase around 3.4 million gallons of sustainable aviation fuels. And they reckon that with this purchase, they're going to eliminate 31,000 metric tons of emissions, which is going to equate to uh, one person flying around the equator almost nine thousand times.
1: <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's quite a visual.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it, it, it's quite exciting, and sort of the way the these eco uh, sustainable aviation fuels work is um, a lot of them are sort of from recycled products. So, like, I think uh, cooking oil can be one of them, and it's not it's not purely you're not just putting cooking oil in the engine and saying let's go. They <laughs> kind of mix it with um, the fossil fuel kerosene type good stuff so it's not 100 percent. It's, it's maybe about 80 percent better than than um, fossil fuels but the difference is you know you're using carbon that's already in the the ecosystem's carbon cycle if that's that makes yeah. sense whereas if you're using fossil fuels you're taking it out of the ground uh, and then adding it to the overall system yeah um,
1: it's it's carbon that would have been stored and has yeah. been stored for millions billions of years so, yeah. yeah so
0: you're still making the emissions but you're not sort of increasing the net carbon in the in the world um, yeah so it's, it's not perfect but, but it's still a lot better in the long run i think um, some
1: of them can be made from like um biological means mm. as well like uh, crops and things can't yeah. they so yeah that's um because you can replant them then they take up carbon it's it's like mm. a neutral situation i mean it's yeah it's an improvement anyway
0: yeah but um it's interesting because the ceo of British Airways our good friend Sean Doyle now thinks that this sort of zero aviation goal is a very long way off and BA was like the first to commit to net zero emissions by 2050 and he pretty much thinks it's going to take until then to reach this because you know like everything like that is a long way off um
1: yeah you know, like there's a, it, a lot still to be done isn't there there's
0: there's a hell of a lot so you've got this sustainable aviation fuels for example even with that to get the 80 percent reductions you know we've got to it, it it's going to be a lot easier than say hydrogen um, energy because it can just be integrated straight into the existing fuel infrastructure whereas when we move to hydrogen Um, we're going to need a totally new infrastructure. Yeah, Um, that's
1: a big challenge.
0: So that's going to be the big challenge, but it's just they really need to get on top of making it a lot more accessible to the airlines
1: cheaper and more uh, available definitely
0: yeah um but i mean ba still they're very much behind the hydrogen thing they're working with zero avia and they want to have a 20-seater aircraft that can fly 500 miles in three years time and a 100-seater aircraft in nine years time which i think is very
1: ambitious adventurous
0: (laughs) (laughs) Personally I think but. the uh,
1: the smaller one is absolutely doable. You know, there's been mm. a lot of work going on there already, and uh, you know, Aviation is bringing its Alice to market, um, mm. and that's only I think that's a nine seater, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean they've they've already flown their own sort of ten seater thing as well.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I think
0: so. I mean, like I've I've got my but a
1: hundred seater. That's a, that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, I'm not saying they can't do it, and I hope they can do it, but. You know, like once you've got the airplane going, you've then got to work out how you're going to get the hydrogen to these airports, how you're going to store it, how you, you know, it's, it's going to yeah. be a new challenge. Um,
1: Lots of work to be done, but uh, it's good to see everyone still peddling away in the midst of yeah. a pandemic on all these topics.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, health and safety has become topic number one, but this doesn't mean that sustainability has gone to the bottom of the pile.
1: That's good, that's good. Well, one plane that's maybe not up there in uh, in terms of long-term sustainability is our favorite on simple flying yeah. the a380. Well and, I mean uh,
0: I, it, I guess it's who you ask.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly. I mean uh, this is normally Tom's topic to bring to the podcast, but I really wanted to talk about the super jumbo yeah. today. Well um, I thought everyone's uh, fed
0: up of me talking about it by now. <laughs>
1: We almost thought we had an A380 free podcast, but no, it didn't happen. So uh, we got some interesting updates over the last week on how airlines are feeling about their A380s. Um, so, there's been a, a few sort of talking shops um, like Kappa Live and uh, mm. things like that where um, airline CEOs have been chatting about the super jumbo and what they think its future is. So, if we start with one of the world's smallest operators of the A380 China Southern, um, they're often one that gets overlooked, but they do have five A380s. It's really a very small sub in terms of its uh, huge, I think it's about 622 aircraft this, this airline flies. Um, And their SVP of International and Corporate Relations, um, Gu Shang Wu, said that the A380 is very much under review. Um, And he said that the airlines got to think about the A380 and whether it's just too large for the routes now. Mm. Um operational costs are very high and in terms of future demand for international routes, he said that there are still no signals of re- recovery in the forthcoming years. So he really so thinks they're going to be restructuring fleets and other airlines will be doing the same particularly in terms of the wide bodies.
0: I mean, I find that incredibly interesting because China Southern was the only one that didn't say we're grounding our fleet during COVID. Yeah.
1: Well, when I look, they're still operating the A380s every day. Mm. All of them, all five yeah. of them are working. So, whether they're just, I don't know, carrying cargo in the in the belly hold and on seats, I don't know. But they are all flying. Mm. Um, however, he said that the airline is looking to return some of its least wide bodies uh, quite far ahead of schedule. Um, this will focus on the A330, but it could well include the a yeah. Um So, that's China Southern feeling a bit wobbly. Now, Etihad, it seems, is similarly quite unsure about the A380's future. So, actually, we found that going to Etihad's website and navigating to its fleet page, there is no A380 listed any longer. And, in fact, uh, all the mentions of Etihad's special A380 cabins are missing from its website as well. Uh, So, this includes the first-class apartment suites and that unique three-room suite known as the residence that Mm. was absolutely on my bucket list to fly one day. Likewise. Um So they no longer make any appearance on the website. And, you know, this shouldn't come as a complete surprise because back in March, Tony Douglas, who's the CEO at Etihad, said, we have now taken the strategic decision to park the A380s. I'm sure it's very likely that we won't see them operating with Etihad again. Hmm. Um, and in fact... Yeah, one of our yeah. favorite uh, plane tracking databases, Plane Spotters, has moved them from historic to historic from parked, mm. which tends to mean that they've actually officially left the airline's fleet. Um, well, but the airline know, is still yet to officially confirm that they've gone.
0: Yeah. I noticed um, yesterday one of them went to our favorite aviation nursery. Not a um, graveyard.
1: <laughs> a nursery, not
0: a graveyard, nursery in Spain, um, Tyrell. So Tyrell now has 15 A380s from four different operators, including BA Air France and Lufthansa.
1: Goodness, who wants a field trip there? I do. Me, me, me. <laughs> so, um, Tom, you were looking at Qatar's take on the A380 as well. I
0: was. And I mean, it's always fascinating to hear the latest sort of thoughts on the a Um, from Qatar, and you know, like shout out to Sam Chewy here, who had an interview with uh, Al Bakr, who's the CEO of the Qatar Airways Group, who told Chewy actually that there is no future for the A380.
1: Yikes, that's pretty damning.
0: It was the wrong airplane at the wrong time, and he did mention that it's something that passengers love. Um, yeah. But while passengers may love it, he hates it. We know now. Um, oh dear. Which is it's interesting because, you know, when he got it, like um, he was like, oh, this is going to revolutionise travel for Qatar and all yeah, this, and um, yeah. now it's um, not great. But basically, so we already knew that um, Qatar Airways had said bye-bye to five of its A380s. Yeah, it
1: said um, it wasn't bringing those yeah. five back, didn't it?
0: Yeah, so it said bye to five of its 10 A380s, which leaves five A380s. But basically, from what he's saying, it sounds like it's gonna be Zero A380s coming back for Qatar Airways. <laughs>
1: oh dear. Um you uh, know, like he,
0: he hasn't ruled it out entirely, but he said sort of like the it words to paraphrase him, um he said along the lines that it's the longer the pandemic drags on, the more likely it is that none of them will return. And I mean, <laughs> I don't know your take on the pandemic right now, but it's not looking great for me.
1: Not really, no. But I have to say it's not all bad news because one airline CEO gave us cause for hope for the A380. Uh, This was Qantas CEO, Alan Joyce, um, who I didn't actually realise until this week is Irish. Mm. (laughs) I kind of assumed he was Australian, but uh, yeah, the Irish get around, don't they? (laughs) And Particularly in aviation. So uh, he actually said at Kappa Live that he fully expects to bring back every A380 to the fleet. So Mm. his quote was, we think we will reactivate all of the A380s. We spent a lot of money Money on them, once demand is there, they're going to be a good aircraft. Um, So, of course, Qantas did spend a lot of money on its A380s, particularly six of them, um, because they'd been refitted with the new cabin products, um, which included this stunning first-class cabin. um, And it had plans at the time to operate them for at least another 10 years. Um, So, it remains to be seen, I guess, whether Qantas will continue with this expensive refresh. It's got a fleet of 12, 50% are fitted with the new products, um, or whether it just brings back those six. But from what joy is saying he'd like to bring back all 12 which is uh, unexpected and very um, uh, encouraging I guess Mm. Um, So, currently, the plan is to bring them back around 2024, which is when Qantas has said all along it expects international demand to return to some sort of normality. Um, Mm. But he also said that because of their flexibility, he can actually reactivate them as quickly as three to six months. Um, So, he's got them actually parked out in the US in uh, Victorville, which is very close to an A380 maintenance base at LAX. And Mm. uh, yeah, so they can hop on it and get them back in the skies really quickly if we all start flying again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, another Irish man talking about um, the A380 was Sean Doyle, who's the CEO of British Airways, as we mentioned, I mean, 10 minutes ago, maybe, Um, (laughs) just in case you'd forgotten. um,
1: (laughs) Tom's new favourite CEO. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. Well, um, it was interesting because he said that Uh, I mean, it's not news from him because we've heard it before, but on the same day that Joyce was talking about the A380, he reiterated like, yeah, we're going to bring them back. Um, It's unclear whether BA is going to bring all of them back. I kind of hope they do. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of our commenters don't think so, but, you know, we'll wait and see.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, definitely.
0: Yeah, so that's more good news for the A380. But keeping on the topic of British Airways earlier well not earlier this week earlier this year um back in october um there was an interesting incident on one of its 787-9s and this was basically a broken iphone caused a small fire on board the aircraft as it was descending to london heathrow airport so thankfully nobody was injured and the aircraft wasn't damaged but i'm sure somebody's pride was damaged and their iphone definitely was damaged (laughs) um but it, it's kind of interesting because, you know, you know, like recently, you must have seen it, I guess, on your uh, Virgin trip to the US. Um, they tell you, if your phone ends up in the seat, don't move it. Call us.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did tell me that.
0: Yeah. So it kind of seems like in this case, I don't think it's the passenger's fault. I think it was um, sort of more an accident. But they kind of also tell you, don't leave it plugged in when you're not using it. Um, yeah. So this passenger got woken up about forty minutes before arrival by an announcement saying, "Hey, we're forty minutes from Heathrow, maybe time to wake up." <laughs> Paraphrasing <laughs> again. Um, so they woke up, and as um, as they got up, the they put their sort of seat up and went to the restroom as you do when you get up. And the cabin crew lady decided to take the bedding away, which is normal. Yeah. What's not normal when you take the bedding up is a tornado. This is the word used in the report, a tornado (laughs) of smoke emanating from the seat.
1: Goodness, (laughs) that sounds Um, a bit scary.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, we're thinking it's, uh, the the, the report suggests it's a first class or business class seat because of the mechanisms involved, but it doesn't say which one. But I chatted over to our friends at Head for Points and they reckon it's a first class seat due to Mm. the design being about 10 years old. Um, but what happened, sort of, there was this tornado of fire, of smoke accompanied by a hiss. Um, so the cabin crew made the flight crew where they used their um, their fire extinguisher on it to get rid of the immediate threat. What sort fret. of
1: fire extinguisher was it, Tom?
0: It was a bromochlorodifluoromethane. extinguisher, Uh, a bromochlorodifluoromethane. There we go.
1: Nice, nice. (laughs) Um, Extinguisher.
0: If anyone wants that as a ringtone, drop me as an email. Um, (laughs) So yeah, because the aircraft was already on its way to Heathrow, uh, on its final descent kind of thing, and they didn't like, it looked like it had gone out. They didn't, they didn't divert. They landed as normal. And um, when they uh, arrived, they were met by the fire crew who then, plucked this red iPhone out of the mechanical seat, um, oh which showed it was it was properly crushed. You know, it's not just like a sort of small thing. You know, this thing has properly been bent. Um, but, you know, like, thankfully, everything was fine. And the AAIB just sort of reiterated um, to airlines that they need to make sure that crew are mentioning don't move your seat and that seat designers sort of moving forward should keep this in mind but
1: yeah definitely you know
0: thankfully good outcome for everyone except the phone owner
1: (laughs) poor old phone owner it does look properly crushed
0: yeah but it's just sort of a reminder to listeners as well if you do drop your phone in the seat don't move it don't try and sit up
1: (laughs) yeah get help
0: yeah
1: (laughs) So we're just going to wrap up by talking a little bit about what's going on in India. Um, everybody so what will be is going aware. on in India? Well, they're having a bit of a spike, aren't they, in uh, mm. coronavirus cases. And... Uh, Unfortunately, poor old Vistara set a new record at the weekend and it's not going to be one that the airline is proudly sharing about. Um so a massive 47 passengers that flew into Hong Kong from Delhi have been tested positive for Covid despite it was just on requirements one flight, to wasn't test it? before travel. Yeah, all on one flight. Um, so Delhi to Hong Kong it was back on April the fourth um and it was operated by an a three two one neo. Everybody as required had taken their PCR test prior to boarding, and all the tests had come back negative. However, when they arrived at the airport, six people reportedly tested positive. Um, so I guess, you know, that's not, the tests aren't infallible. That wasn't hmm. too much of a worry for Hong Kong. However, they have really strict entry requirements at the moment. So everybody had to go into mandatory kind of state-controlled quarantine for 21 days, which is huge oh actually. Um, so they entered their, their mandatory 21-day quarantine as normal. By the end of the second week, 25 more passengers had tested positive and and then on day 12 of the quarantine period everybody was tested again and incredibly 22 more passengers tested positive so this brings the total positive passengers on that one single flight to an astounding 47 that's the hmm. most ever recorded on a flight to Hong Kong um, and I and guess Vistara, see-
0: Vistara isn't feeling so positive after that.
1: Oh, very good, Tom. <laughs> there was a seat map shared online about uh, where the positive cases were sat. And it does show a cluster in the middle of the economy section, which would indicate potential transmission in flight. But there were cases spread throughout the aircraft, you know, even up in business class. Mm. And as you might expect it, th- all the flights from India have now been banned from Hong Kong for a period of at least 14 days. So, uh Yeah, but there's other problems for Indian airlines.
0: I mean, that's not the only place they're being banned from. Uh, So from Friday... Indian airlines aren't going to be able to fly to the UK. And likewise, BA isn't going to be able to fly passengers from India to the UK because India has been given the honour of joining the or England's red list. Mm. And if you're on the red list, basically, it means you can't fly direct to the UK. So people, only British citizens and residents um, and a few sort of key exemptions will be able to enter the uk at all if they've been in india in the last 10 days and they're going to have to fly say with lufthansa via frankfurt they're not going to be able to fly directly um but when they do arrive they're now going to have to go into a mandatory 10-day quarantine in a hotel um which is kind of the same, we've seen the same with the UAE, with Doha, uh, with Pakistan last week. But yeah. the thing I find really interesting about this is it's. Um, they made the announcement yesterday on Monday and it only takes effect at 4am London time on Friday.
1: Oh, so there's going to be a rush of people going back to England right now. Yeah, it um, gives three India, days for right?
0: everyone to try and get back in and... <laughs> Believe me they will because we've seen this before, you know, when Pakistan went on the list, I think it was either last week or the week before, you know, even Iceland air was flying from Pakistan to London or to Manchester (laughs) to capitalise on all of these people that wanted to get back before the red list. And
1: yeah like
0: I do understand like giving people notice, but at the same time, what's the point of saying like they're kind of saying, Oh, it's a risk, but only from Friday, you know, when the numbers are already soaring now. So it's an interesting, no, it's okay.
1: one. okay. Covid doesn't work Monday to Friday, it's only yeah. going to come after the weekend. So, you know, that it's having a week off this week,
0: yeah. But I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the people are still going to have to quarantine for at least five days coming back now, so um, yeah. It's just, you know, but I mean, I guess if it was Germany going on, I'd be like, it's good that they've let me give, given me time. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're still waiting to hear on the traffic lights and the, the final yeah. country lists, aren't we? But uh, yeah.
0: Well, I think it's coming soon. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Um, It's, it's got to be soon because they said they're going to tell us something by, 17th of May, and I'm flying on 20th of May, so they better have said something by (laughs) then.
1: You like cutting it fine, don't you? I I couldn't deal with that stress in my life, but you love it. (laughs) Well, you know, like,
0: I I don't see Germany going red, so I'm fully prepared for amber, but green would be a bonus.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if it's red, will you cancel your plans?
0: Well, I'll have to, because Ryanair won't be flying from Germany to the UK if it is red.
1: Oh, true, true. I thought you could come in, but you had to go in the hotel.
0: Yeah, but I'd have to go via another country as ah, well.
1: I see, I see, I see. And
0: I mean, if I'm coming for 10 days anyway, what's the point of coming to stay in a hotel for 10 days, you know?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. I'd, I'd go somewhere to stay in a hotel for 10 days. Isn't that normally what you call a vacation?
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean like the, the, the Heathrow hotels.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the travel lodge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear well i think that's all we've got time for today we hope you enjoyed our podcast and as usual welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com
0: for more great content you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media simply search for simple flying
1: if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player thanks for listening
0: bye